Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Four Star Nation podcast. We're your hosts, Bill and Megan, two ex-collegiate players currently taking our skills to the world of New York co-ed soccer, where we're quickly learning headers aren't worth it anymore. We're so excited to add our voices to the small but growing women's soccer community. Four Star Nation is a new semi-regular podcast where we collect and discuss women's soccer news from around the world, all in one place for you. We've got opinions, sometimes controversial, on everything from NWSL to U.S. Women's National Team and beyond. We usually agree, though sometimes we don't. But we'll always have a good time and we hope you do too. So without further ado, let's kick off episode one Woo-hoo! with the segment we're calling Did You Hear, where we've collected our top stories we think you need to know. It's been a quiet week in women's soccer news after the NWSL draft a few weeks back, but I've got four headlines for you. The first is, is that the Asian Football Confederation just announced they're moving the women's Olympic qualifying tournament from Wuhan, China to Sydney. Interesting that they're moving it out of a city with an outbreak into a country that's on fire. But, you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully this is what's best for the um, you know health and safety of the teams and players involved. The second headline I have is that Sam Kerr got her first goal in Chelsea Blue in the 13th minute against or in the uh, London Derby against Arsenal in a thrashing, in a 4-1 thrashing. Yeah, Semker's third game in Chelsea Blue after, I would say, three to five clear breakaways in the first two games that should have been score opportunities. She kind of waited to have that major stage with the Mietema uh, matchup. She was probably nervous. <laughs> All right, uh, third of four headlines, Mal Pugh is left out. So this is probably the Biggest news that came out of the U.S. Women's National Team this week. They announced their roster for the uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. And Mal Pugh, who was on the Women's World Cup roster and had a breakout tournament in the last Olympics, is not on this one. Yeah, if you uh, aren't familiar with Mal Pugh, Mal Pugh has been dubbed the uh, up-and-coming future for the U.S. Women's National Team. And her being left off the roster seems to be making waves around the communities for women's soccer. And finally, it's a CONCACAF struggle fest with TV rights for this tournament. Uh, They have not announced, what is it, 48 hours? 48 hours. (laughs) We're recording this on Sunday, January 26th, with the first qualifying game being the night of January 28th. And we do not know how we're going to be able to watch the tournament. Though, we're told that we will, you know, get uh, new information on this tomorrow. And the rumor is that Fox Sports is getting the rights to these games. If there's no Fox Sports, though, we've heard that you can watch it on YouTube. So that's where we're at right now with women's soccer, YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for the headlines for this week. Speaking of the women's CONCACAF Olympic qualifying, we're going to spend our next segment giving you a preview of what's to come. So we know the tournament's happening January 28th through February 9th here in the U.S. in both Texas and California. The tournament has eight teams in the tournament with two brackets of four, and those top two teams qualifying from each bracket move on, with the final two teams getting that berth to the Olympics. And so the right, so two teams come out of each bracket and then they play a semifinal and then a final. Do we know what they get for winning the final? Um, uh, sparkly trophies. Um, <laughs> I think they actually might get better seating when it comes to the Olympic. They'll be in that top pot, but I'm actually not sure. 
And the expectation is that U.S. and Canada will be the two teams, right? Yep. There's been one time in the Olympic history that it has not been Canada and the U.S., but in the recent years, it's only been those. So just for general notes, uh, U.S., Canada, and Mexico entered the qualifying tournament automatically. Uh, the other brackets, you had a Caribbean bracket that had St. Kitts and Nevis making their first appearance in the tournament. That's cool. And Canada has advanced again in the past three tournaments, but Mexico got that second spot in 2004. Um, anything notable from the other bracket before we jump into the U.S.? Um, over on the other side, we have Jamaica, which has big talent Bunny Shaw, who's currently playing in uh, Europe after her uh, really great collegiate career. Um, she has scored nine goals in qualifiers, and she appeared in three of the games. So pretty big numbers from Bunny. Uh, we also expect Christine Sinclair to break a goal-scoring record, I think, this tournament, right? Yes. Christine Sinclair, I believe, is two away from the goal-scoring record. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's pretty unlikely for her goal score to ever be broken at this point uh, with the levels of women's soccer really just catapulting in the last couple of years. We don't really see these numbers being able to put up again. So I think it'll be a while before any player comes close to touching that uh, scoring record again. Awesome. Should we jump into our bracket? Yeah. So for the U.S. side, we are playing uh, three other teams. We have Costa Rica, we have Panama, and we have Haiti. First up, we have Costa Rica, who are the top qualifying seed in Central America after winning 2-0 against Nicaragua and 5-0 against El Salvador in qualification. Now, Costa Rica is one of four teams that have been part of all five Olympic qualifiers. But they've never qualified. They've never qualified. They've made it to the semis, but never to that final spot. But they were the 2014 CONCACAF Championship runners-up after losing to the U.S. 6-0 and finally secured their first Women's World Cup berth in Canada. Where, so Canada was not in that qualifying tournament for the World Cup? So Canada, as the host nation, got automatic qualification, but also decided to not be part of the tournament, basically giving up an extra spot to one of the CONCACAF nations. I didn't know they could decide that. Yeah, so they thought that it would just... Uh, be more beneficial for that rest and practice before the tournament. Um, so they kind of bowed out from there. Uh, we saw con uh, Costa Rica come through from the semis after beating Mexico, but obviously falling to a, a very dominant U.S. 6-0 um, that year. Dominant enough to win the World Cup. Two time. Uh, a couple of players that we really want to highlight for Costa Rica. There's two. Uh, both play center midfield and will be the heart and engine of the team for Costa Rica. First up is Captain Shirley Cruz, currently 34. Shirley Cruz has been the best player on Costa Rica for years now. She was a dominant member of uh, Lyon from 2005 to 2012, and then moved over to PSG from 2012 to 2018. A lot of experience, a lot of great talent, has played with some of the world's best players, so she'll be looking to really make her mark on this, which might be her last Olympics. And then her partner in the midfield is Rocky Rodriguez. So NWSL fans should be very familiar with Rocky Rodriguez, who is one of the most decorated individual players from collegiate history. She was the 2015 Matt Kerman Trophy winner, the top drawer soccer player of the year, and then won a national championship with Penn State University. The last qualifier, she had six goals, which actually tied her for that golden boot with Crystal Dunn, who eventually won out for having more assists. And Rocky Rodriguez was just part of a big... NWSL trade, right? Yes, Rocky Rodriguez, who was used to be on Sky Blue, was just traded for Midge Purse and will now take her talents to Portland, where I think she's going to play a really pivoted role in that center midfield. Playing Costa Rica in the first match of the tournament is Panama. Uh, Panama qualified for this tournament by beating Guatemala and Honduras with a combined score in both their games of 6-1. to one. 
They've never qualified for a Women's World Cup or the Olympics, though they did finish fourth in the World Cup qualifying tournament in 2018. They lost to Jamaica in penalties in the third place game. They went on to a playoff to enter the World Cup and they lost to Argentina. So I think that, you know, they're really trying to, well, the the game's been growing over there, I think. But unfortunately, they're on their third coach in the past year. So yeah, we'll see how they do under, you know, new management. Okay, so for the player spotlight portion of the Panama preview, the first one I'm going to spotlight actually isn't on the roster. So Natalia Mills, who was their captain in the qualifying tournament for this tournament, is not on the roster. Uh, She scored six goals in 2018, left off the roster. The reason cited is because of visa issues. I I don't know. She, She plays her club career in Spain. So do other Panama players that did get visa so I don't really know <laughs> but she's you know a seemingly an important part of, of their team and she will not be on the field yeah, it for feels this like tournament. a really big loss for Panama these upcoming games which are going to be tough enough as they are yeah so you know we'll, we'll see how, how their midfield does without her the player that will be on the field that we're really excited to see is Yana Bailey she is their goalkeeper she's 18 18 <laughs> you'll remember her from the World Cup qualifying tournament where she won the Golden Glove and made 24 saves. She put on a hugely impressive performance against the U.S. in that tournament despite losing 5 nothing. And at that time, she'd only been playing goalkeeper for a year. Which is outrageous. Yeah, she had previously been a midfielder and been converted into a goalkeeper. And for anyone who's doing that math, she's now 18, which means during that qualifying tournament, she was even younger than that. She was, I believe, 16. Or 17, yeah, one. Yeah, which getting the Golden Glove at 17 is outrageous. And for anyone who didn't watch that game that they lost 5 nothing, that score could have easily been 12 nothing if it wasn't for Yannick Bailey. I am a huge fan and cannot wait to see what she does in this tournament. I think in that game the U.S. had 18 shots on goal or Ugh. something wild. But yeah, so we're very excited to see her play. Next up we have Haiti, who qualified for this tournament from their five-team bracket, but then two of the teams from that bracket withdrew, so they only played two games. <laughs> okay, that seems a pretty easy path to get into this tournament. <laughs> yeah, so they won their first game against Suriname 10-0 wow. and Puerto Rico 2-1. to mm-hmm. They have never qualified for the Olympics or the Senior World Cup, but they did generate some hype when they advanced to the U-20 World Cup in 2018 for the first time. How'd they do? They did not advance past the group stage. Okay. But there's a lot of excitement yeah. around the team. They're Let's go. a really young team. It's their second time in the Olympic qualifying tournament. They have three 16-year-olds, which is wild. Yep. And their oldest player is 23. Their oldest player is yes. 23. So for reference, Rose Lavelle, who's like the young talent on the US Women's National Team, is 24. And then Carly Lloyd is 37. Right. <laughs> so this is a young team. A lot of those players that were on the U20. World Cup roster are on this roster as well. Makes sense. The one player I'll spotlight is Melchi Dumonet. She's 16 and she scored the go-ahead goal against Puerto Rico to advance them into this tournament. She played as part of the U20 World Cup as a 14-year-old. <laughs> Um, what were you doing at 14, Megan? I don't know. Nothing <laughs> useful. Nothing useful. So, yeah, I'm excited to see Haiti play. I don't know if I've seen them play before, and I'm excited to see all these youngsters on yeah, the big stage. Big stage, right. Do you want to get into the U.S. women's national team? Which yeah, so we we're going to spend a little more time on the U.S. just because they're our favorite. We'll be very clear about that. 
They are uh, automatic qualifiers with Canada and Mexico, as we already said. They have never lost this tournament. Wait, never? They have never in existence lost this tournament. 18 of the 20 players currently on their roster are from that Women's World Cup winning team, with the new additions being Andy Sullivan and Lynn Williams. 16 of the players on the roster played in the 2016 Olympic qualifying, 6 in the 2012, and then actually two players in 2008. I'll give you a guess, Megan, to see if you can name those two players. So, Carly Lloyd. Yep. Um, was Krieger on that roster? No, it was actually Tobin Heath. Oh, right. So, Tobin and Lloyd in their fourth Olympic qualifying tournament, which is outrageous. Some of the players that we really want to spotlight and dive in a little bit more into, the first and foremost, again, big fans, we have Rose Lavelle. This is, in my opinion, the year of Lavelle. Can't argue with that. Women's World Cup was a groundbreaking moment for her, especially that goal in the finals against the Netherlands, which I've watched on repeat uh, multiple times since then. I think that this is her year to really set the stage for what she wants her career to be. Now, of course, we have that option of also having all this hype and then flaming out. But I think from what we've seen from Rose, and as long as she is able to stay healthy, she's definitely going to be on this team for years to come. Yeah, it's not going to happen. The hype is not (laughs) going to go away, I don't think. Uh, next player, we have Sam Mewis, uh, 27 in the midfield. Megan and I agree on this, that Sam Mewis for us was the most underrated player on the U.S. roster during the Women's World Cup. Argue against it. <laughs> Prove us otherwise. I think Sam is one of the main reasons that the U.S. was able to beat France in the World Cup. She basically single-handedly took Henri out of the game completely. She was a force in that midfield for the entirety of the tournament. And I think her replacement to Lindsay Horan really rubbed some people the wrong way. But she rose to that occasion and I think added a lot to the team. So I think, again, if she gets that starting spot under Vlatko, she's going to make sure that she proves why she deserves to be on that field. Next up, we have Kristen Press. Not too much playing time in the Women's World Cup, but since she came back and rejoined the Utah Royals, she has been scorching hot. She has been scoring goals left and right. She still has that speed on the flank. And with Alex Morgan potentially not able to make this Olympic roster, it's another spot that is up for grabs that I think Kristen Press will play a big role in. Also, with Pino seemingly not being able to play that full 90 since the Women's World Cup with the rain, she's going to need a lot of help on that outside flanks. And I think Kristen Press is the one who's going to be able to deliver that for them. We are not shy about saying how much we love Kristen Press. And I also think like she showed that she can rise to the occasion. She scored a header goal against England, England yep. in the World Cup when Pino was out. Easy to overlook, but we're really excited about Kristen Press and looking forward to seeing her role in this um, under this new coach. Yes. Uh, next up, we have Lindsay Horan. Uh, Lindsay, most notably, should have been from all the journalists and writers before the World Cup was meant to be the breakout star for the U.S. Obviously, as we have already said, she lost that starting spot to Mewis, came in a couple of times for subs, did get that starting well in a couple of the lesser competitive games against Chile. Definitely still one to be reckoned with on the field, but does she start? Does she win that spot back from Samantha Mewis? What is Vlaka going to use her as? There's some, you know, writings on the wall that there could be a move of Julie Ertz back into that center midfield spot, which would free up that center midfield. For you six mean position. center back? Center back, sorry. Yes, Julie Ertz being moved to a center back position, freeing up one of those center midfield, especially the sixth spot. So possible for Lindsay Horan to take that one over. Yeah, and sort of disappointing World Cup 
performance from her after having such a good NWSL season. Yes. Um, but maybe Vlatko can bring something out of her that, you know, Joe Ellis couldn't or didn't see. Or... Again, only 25, so she's going to be on this roster for a while, but we'll be interested to see um, how she feels in that very competitive midfield spot. Uh, next up is Megan Rapino. So as everyone knows, Megan Rapino has had a year. She has won every single individual accolade you possibly can as a female soccer player. But the question becomes, now what? Is she able to keep that level of play up? Is she able to get that starting spot and play the full 90? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how she continues to play at the top of her game, knowing that the Olympics will most likely be her last big tournament. Yeah, and we haven't seen any signs that she won't play a big role in this tournament. But then again, after the World Cup, she didn't really come back and have a big role in the NWSL for her club team, right? right. So we'll have to see how she does in this tournament with injuries and playing time. And all that. and what her hair color is. I think it's back to blonde. Oh, great. Is it back to blonde? I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping to get a new color for this one. Maybe green. <laughs> Uh, next up, one of the newcomers, well, kind of newcomer, Andy Sullivan. She had some stints with the U.S. team in 2016-2017, kind of faded into the background after a very disappointing NWSL rookie season, but she's back. She is very young at 24. Again, um, she is bringing a lot of talent. She is very smart on the ball. She is looked at as that replacement for the number six position currently in our eyes for Julie Ertz. She had a stellar season with the Washington Spirit this year, captaining them again only at the age of 24. And I think we can expect some big things from Andy Sullivan in the future. Yeah, we're really happy she's back on this roster. Next up, we have Carly Lloyd. Again, she's been, this is her fourth Olympic qualifier. She's 37 now. You've probably seen a few of her interviews stating how she deserves to be that starting spot um, as a forward. And now with Alex Morgan out, it seems pretty obvious that Carly Lloyd is the next up to be that number nine spot for the U.S. Um, so not sure if Vlatko will see that in her or like Jill Ellis put her on the bench as a super sub. But she is very vocal about how much she hates being a super sub and thinks that she deserves to be on that field. Bill, give us your opinion. Do you uh, think she deserves to be on the field? I have to say, if I had to choose one number nine currently on the roster, she would be the only choice. I think a lot of people will argue that Kristen Press deserves that spot. But I think Kristen Press playing with her back to goal loses all of the value that Kristen Press brings to a team. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with Carly Lloyd's numbers, though. I don't think she scored against any you know, top 10 team recently? Yes. So in the last year, she was the top scorer for the U.S. Women's National Team. But if you actually look back at the games that they played, she's not scoring against the Englands and the Frances of the world. She did have a brace against Sweden uh, during Vlako's first couple games. But other than that, she is scoring against Chile and Thailand's, uh, you know, Republics of Ireland's of the world. So she, we know she can do it on a big stage as you know, results of the 2015 Women's World Cup hat trick she scored. Yeah, but that uh, was five years ago, Right, though. so we just need her to make sure that she is scoring those big goals again that we saw that she can do in her past. Maybe against Canada, we'll see. Second to last, we have Crystal Dunn. My only question for Crystal Dunn, will Crystal Dunn be a left back forever? I don't, I don't know. I can't answer this. We'll see what Blacko has in store for her. Oh, man. Who do you replace her with? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's so funny. So Crystal Dunn has been a left back for now four years, five years, something along those lines. For the national team. For the national team, while being arguably the best attacking midfielder in the NWSL for the last few seasons. No awards. No awards. Should be getting awards. Overlooked every season. Totally. But they've also had four years to replace her with someone who is a natural left back so that they can use her skills on the flanks and in the center. Her pace is 
unmatched. She's so quick. She's beating everyone on one-on-one. She has the defensive prowess to stop an attack. But I just feel that while she may be the choice for left back now, that's not the best utilization of her actual skill set. I mean, I will say we talk about replacing her, but she also like single-handedly shut down Diani in the World Cup. Yes. So you can't argue that she shouldn't be there. It's just sort of maybe a bigger question for U.S. soccer about their pool of outside backs because, you know, you would think that we would have someone else there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll leave that to Vlatko to see what he does in the upcoming games. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, the heart and soul of the U.S. <laughs> women's national team. A Philly girl close to my heart. We have Julie Ertz, who is 27. She's only 27? Doesn't it feel like she's been around forever? Yeah. This is her, this will be her, she just got out of her second Women's World Cup, which means she has at least probably two more World Cups in her. So she's going to be around for the next eight to ten years. Not upset about it. Julie Ertz, when she is playing well, is the reason the U.S. wins games. Her ability to be... Everywhere on the field at the exact moment you need her to be there is astounding. Give her all of the awards. All of them. This is the first time she made the best 11 this year. So great for her. She was in Milan to get that award with some of her teammates. But Julie Ertz is the anchor of the U.S. team. And I can't see a way to possibly win any games without Julie Ertz on the field. All right. And before we leave, talking about the U.S. Women's National Team, we could do this all day. We can't go without talking about Vlatko Andonovsky, the U.S. women's new coach. So obviously after the tournament, all the talk, well, hopefully they are successful and all the talk is about, you know, how Vlatko does in his first, you know, significant games of his new position. So Bill, what does he need to do? Tell us about this rubric we've got. Yep. So the Vlatko rubric, patent pending, (laughs) the first thing he needs to do is not blow anything up, but also put his own twist on it at the same time, which I know kind of is different things. But what I'm basically saying is he needs to keep things as they are, but he needs to put his own stamp on them in some capacity. So, you know, how is he significantly deviating from Jill Ellis's style, which has kind of been trademarked for the last five years by Jill Ellis? Or eight? Longer? How long has she been around? It feels like forever. The Jill Ellis era. (laughs) What do you, do you have any expectations? So I think that from just watching Vlatko, obviously in the NWSL, what he's done there, he's going to maintain the outside backs attacking. That's not going to change my opinion. So Crystal Dunn and Kelly O'Hara will still be flying up those flanks to support on an offense. What I think most of his changes are going to come through is those three people in the center if he remains in a 4-3-3. But I'm also completely open for him to try new formats formations, formations yeah. in the tournament like let's throw in a three five two maybe i think he needs to do something to show that he's okay to change what has been handed to him after the world cup i don't know and this comes down to the roster for the olympics as well right like do you do we think he's gonna have a roster for the olympic tournament assuming they qualify that is significantly different from that of the women's world cup yeah i mean i can't see any players at this point being added that is a giant surprise for anyone yeah i think annie sullivan while was different i don't think anyone was shocked she made it i would say linda williams probably the one that people were most surprised about after coming in being taken back out for a couple years now coming back in she does add that pace but we know where she's going to play she's going to play forward she doesn't have the capacity to play anywhere else um so i don't think she has much effect on what he's going to do to change things 
Yeah, and I mean, looking ahead to the Olympics, they have to cut the roster down to 18, right? And we're at 20 now. So, you know, that's sort of a longer-term question for for what he's going to do. But I am, yeah, I'm interested to see our our starting lineup, if it's the exact same as we saw in the World Cup. or Well, obviously without Morgan, but... Yep, which brings me to my second rubric. I think he needs to have a roster that is not just 18 players from the Women's World Cup. I understand that they are... A great team. They obviously did great work in France. But a lot of players, in my opinion, did not have the best World Cup, did not add to the competitiveness of the team. And which have, players, Bill? Yeah. Tell we us which we players. We won't name any names. But, <laughs> we um, will name names. <laughs> um, there are a couple players, I think, that can add more versatility to the uh, roster. I think players like an Ali Krieger, while has done great in the past, she is at an age now where she is not getting up that flank as much as a Crystal Dunn and Kelly O'Hara and really just isn't adding more to the roster, in my opinion. Bill, Twitter will not like this. <laughs> Twitter loves Ali Krieger. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I'm going to go even more down the hill on this one, but I think that an Emily Sonnet isn't adding too much to the roster as well. Don't get me wrong, I understand she's adding a ton of off-field kind of synergy for the team. She's great to have on. She's kind of everyone's best friend. But when you look at the World Cup, how much time was she actually on the field? And how much longer can these off-field relationships keep her on this roster without any on-field performance? Okay, so Bill, for you, Flacco gets an A if his roster is at least semi-different from that of the Women's World Cup? Yes, it is a low bar for me. It is semi-different. I'm just looking for two or three players who are young enough to get this experience on a world stage that they can then take to the next World Cup and the next Olympics so they know what to expect when they get there and can add a little bit more versatility to the roster and play into that new Vlatko system he's looking for. Yeah, but that's hard to do, right? What did we have, 24 players? 23 at the World Cup. 23 at the World Cup, 18 for the Olympics. I don't know, Bill. We'll see, but I, you know, I think Andy Sullivan is a move in the right direction, and I think that original pool of players that he brought to January camp does show how much talent that we have right now in the United States moving forward when some of these older players eventually do retire. Right. Well, we're looking ahead, so let's bring it back to this tournament. The third item on the Vlatko rubric is defensively, our expectation is zero goals against in the group stage, yes, right? Yes, very high. We're playing, again, Costa Rica, Panama, Haiti. No one should be an offensive threat for us. Our back line has been known in past years to be the weakest part of the formation and the players on the field just because, again, we're still looking for a left back. And Becky Sauerbrunn is the only real center back we have. Um, so... There I don't know. No there are goals. some Doll Kemper fans out there. <laughs> there are some Doll Kemper fans. Shout out to Steve. Abby Doll Kemper is a different. We're, we don't even have time for <laughs> me to get into Abby Doll Kemper right now. But I think that they need zero goals. I think if we need to again start instilling that confidence into Alyssa Nair, the same way we did for leading up to the World Cup, she needs to have clean sheets throughout the entirety of the tournament. Agreed. And right. also, kind of with that comes the next rubric was they need to win. But they need to win handedly. And that's, again, even against Canada, who recently tied Haiti 1-1, I believe, in a friendly. We need to beat everyone and beat them by a, a lot of goals. And I'm talking about 4 nothing, 5 nothing, 6 nothing. I 13? Don't need, I was going to say, I don't need a 13 nothing. <laughs> if they do it, I'm here for it. But they need to have clean sheets and a variety of goals. And best case scenario, coming from a lot of different players. And lots of celebrations, right? Lots We're of celebrations. celebrations over I'm here. waiting for what the next Rapino is. We have the, you know, the hands in the air Rapino. Mm-hmm. So what is the 2020 
Megan Rapinoe celebration. I hope we get to see it. Um, last but not least, we have successfully replaced Morgan, Alex Morgan, that is, if she does not come to the tournament. To the Olympic tournament. To the Olympic tournament. Now we know we have Lloyd in that nine spot. We have Press in the conversation. We have Jess McDonald, Kenlyn Williams play that position. Who even knows at this point? Yeah, and have we seen Carly Lloyd play a full 90 recently? Uh, I cannot remember the last time Carly Lloyd played a full 90. I don't believe in the Chile game she even played that full 90. I believe she got pulled out at some point. But even still, I think from a recurring and a consistent standpoint, the last time Carly Lloyd has played 90 minutes might have been pre-World Cup with a Sky Blue game. Right, so that might be a place where we get to see Vladko's style come out a little bit. Or... Yep, and that's again, only if he stays on a 4-3-3. We don't think he's going to change from a 4-3-3, though, do you? I don't, I'm don't. i not against it. Well, I'm not against <laughs> it either, but yes. you know I love a 3-5-2. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely see the 4-3-3 as we start out, but I think as we move into maybe a second half where we're ahead by four or more goals, we'll see that formation change and flow so we can see him test out a couple of things he's looking at. I hope so. Well, that's our Black Co. rubric. We will return to it after the tournament. See how he does on these points and give our... Um, give a grade. Give a grade. A Black Co. grade. Moving on to our next segment, each podcast will individually give our takes on the biggest winners and losers from the previous week. Bill, you're up first. Who's your winner? So my winner this week is Sky Blue FC and general manager Elise LeHue. Sky Blue had the best draft this year, the 2020 NWSL draft. They picked up so many great players that are not only good for their own right, but fit into the Sky Blue formation perfectly. They got the best center back in the draft, Kaylee Real, who plays center back out of Penn State. She's going to be a game changer this season. For and them. that was surprising that we got her, right? Yes. So we took Kaylee up. 11th, and it was expected for Kaylee to go top five. So the fact that she was still around for the 11th pick is mind-blowing. It makes her value even larger than what we originally thought it would be. We also picked up Mallory Pugh who was in a monumental trade for that second and third pick with Chicago and Orlando and Washington Spirit. Uh, So her coming over to us while having a down season last year for the Washington Spirit, we're really looking for her to kind of be invigorated now that she's on this new team. And shout out to The Athletic. If anybody hasn't read Meg Linehan's article about Skyblue FC and their draft performance, it was amazing. I have no idea. Well, previously, I had no idea what went on into any team's drafting and it was it was just fascinating so i agree with the sky blue fc and elise lahue and we'll make sure to leave that link in the show notes for you to take a look at on the athletic my winner of the week is the wnba hear me out megan this is a soccer podcast Bell, hear me out <laughs> obviously as this is a women's soccer podcast gender equity in sports is you know near and dear to our hearts the wnba for those that didn't hear just reached agreements, I guess, on their collective bargaining agreement. I don't know, legal terms. The main takeaways are, you know, they've gotten salary increases, which is great, but also just like a range of other rights, maternity leave type things. They get their own hotel rooms now. Did you know that on their flights to games, they didn't have extra leg room? So these women who are arguably six plus foot for some of the, you know, the the centers of the league are in economy with the other five foot eight players? Yeah, so as part of their new agreement, they now get extra legroom on all their flights, which is great. And you know, the NWSL and U.S. soccer should really take note. The U.S. Women's National Team is still in some legal, maybe battle is too strong a word, legal fight with um, U.S. soccer to try to get some pay equity and and other rights. And we just think that women athletes are the greatest. And the WNBA, you know, has 
paved the way. Yeah. Yep. Paved the way. Love that. So my loser of the week, unfortunately, and kind of what we've alluded to across the podcast so far is Mallory Pugh. (sighs) What a week it's been for Mallory Pugh. After being traded from the Washington Spirit to Sky Blue, seemingly without her even knowledge of it happening since she was a player to be named at a later time. I mean, who knows? She was also left off of the qualifying roster for the United States Women's National Team for the first time ever since she even was on the scene. So really, it's just kind of seen that, you know, Vlaco did say that it was due to consistency, still allowing her to practice with the team, but it can't feel good to have your two soccer organization coaches feel that you aren't uh, a strong enough player to keep them on their roster. Well, I will say Washington Spirit's loss is our game as Sky Blue FC season <laughs> ticket holders, and we're excited to have Mallory Pugh playing at Red Bull Arena yep. every so often. Tough week for Mallory Pugh. Hopefully, you know, she can stay involved with um, U.S. soccer and, and prove that she can bring that consistency that Flacco's after. Yeah, and we should say that just because she's not on the qualifying roster does not mean she cannot get a spot on the Olympic roster. So they will have another choice for the roster when it comes out um, before the tournament. So still a possibility that Mount Pugh's name is on that list. But definitely for this week, a loser. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and my loser of the week is CONCACAF, as we talked about at the outset of this, as of recording... Well, the last we checked a few hours ago, we've not been told how to watch these games that we're all very excited to watch. I don't know. I think that the heat directed at CONCACAF is valid. I I completely agree. And I think what everyone needs to know is that these TV rights actually aren't held by U.S. soccer, who have no skin in the game and cannot, you know, push their way in. Um, It is completely owned by CONCACAF. And so, you know, any... I've seen some some tweets thrown out at the social media handles for U.S. soccer. They have nothing to do with this and unfortunately have no uh, power to do anything otherwise. Yeah, and, you know, my only thing about this is, like, I who knows what's been happening behind the scenes. Publicly, it just sort of looks like they didn't think about it. Care about it. Right, and yep. that's not a good look, especially, you know, for the U.S. women's team. Obviously, there's an interest in watching the games, but even more so for these other teams that are trying to build their programs. Yep. So, this brings us to our very last segment. We're calling this segment, Convince Me Otherwise, the part of the podcast where I give my hottest take on women's soccer and challenge Megan to convince me otherwise. I'm nervous. We have not discussed this in advance, so Megan actually has no idea what I'm about to say, but she could actually agree with my take, maybe. But if not, she will do her best to convince me otherwise. We also want to hear from you guys after the segment as well. So if you're on Team Bill or you're on Team Megan, let us know on Twitter. So without further ado, my hottest take of the week is Casey Short is the best one-on-one defender in the world currently. And that is including people like Lucy Bronze and Crystal Dunn and other people that I'm not thinking of right now. But... (laughs) The fact that she was left off of this qualifying roster right after being left off of the World Cup roster is... I have no words for how angry I am. (laughs) Casey Short deserves to be on all rosters and could be an integral part of a defense that I believe is severely lacking for the number one team in the world. Wow. Okay. Let's break this down. I don't (laughs) think I should... I can disagree with you that she shouldn't have been on the roster. Um, As we know, she was the last cut for the Women's World Cup roster, and she has proven herself in the NWSL. I cannot say 
with confidence that she's the best 1v1 defender in the world, in part because she hasn't played against all the best players in the world. Like, how can you say that? Yeah, that's true. She, you know, hasn't been against the Dianis and the Les Amers of the world. Maybe not yet. Not yet. Again, she could still be on that Olympic roster. And maybe we'll see Diani in the NWSL. And that brings us to the end of our very first episode of Four Star Nation. Make sure to like and subscribe to get all of our updates. Send in questions or thoughts. Roast Bill's opinion. Hey. <laughs> Tweet us at Four Star Nation Pot. That's the number four Star Nation Pot. And last but not least, shout out to our inspiration, our moral support, and our producer editor extraordinaire, Cam. Hashtag Cam Fam. See you next time.